electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, Bitcoin blast off. The cryptocurrency hits an all-time high as it enters the mainstream. So Joe, at 50,000, is the next stop 100,000 or is the next stop 30,000? A vision for the post-pandemic economy with St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard. Let's be clear. Wall Street thinks the U.S. economy might grow faster than China this year. The roaring U.S. economy fueled by fiscal stimulus and monetary policy. And breaking down the Reddit rebellion with Haley Sachs, a.k.a. Mrs. Dow Jones, the millennial money YouTuber reaching 300,000 young investors. Like with all games, there is always a loser. I mean, you think about a chess match. Would you play chess if you didn't know the rules? Investing is not a game. Those stories plus frigid temps in Texas and the other social media out there. I heard there's this, what is it? It's the Facebook or something where you put a bunch of stuff on and, and people talk and all. I, 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 haven't, yeah. I, I doubt if I'm on Clubhouse anytime soon. It's Tuesday, February 16th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Curtin. Becky Quick is off today. Bitcoin, we are getting very, very close to 50,000 at 48,982, uh, flirting uh, all weekend uh, uh, with that 50,000 uh, price target. Um, well, price target that some have. I know I, w- I, w- I was on a clubhouse, Joe, over the weekend where there was, it said, is it going to 50,000 or 5,000? So, there, there's differing views, but I, but I imagine it might get to fifty thousand before if it ever if it ever is going to five thousand. I think it's going to go higher first. When you said uh, sixty-eight thousand, I thought I, I just I went no oh, yeah, sixty-eight thousand. Oh no 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 not quite. Uh, but uh, yeah, nothing nothing would surprise me uh, at this point. Uh, five five might surprise me. Five, five might surprise five, me. I think I probably a little possible. too low. What, that would we'll surprise see. me. That would be. That would be, Could be something going to 100,000 uh, at this point. Do you believe that it's controllable by uh, either governments or regulators? Probably still is, but there's a lot of people that think it's so decentralized that it isn't. So I, I don't, you know, I see, you see the true zealots. I saw one over the weekend wrote like a 40-point, I don't know if you saw it, I might send it to you because yep. it, it was pretty... I mean, there's there's all kinds of philosophical things uh, put in about the the move away with, from big multinationals, away from even being, you know, really uh, domiciled in one country to where Bitcoin just fits in with this whole. I mean, it's a little scary. It's almost like the the world is going to be controlled by shocker by corporations more than governments at some point. Some people would say that's already the problem. But yeah, five would be. Yeah, but you know what? I don't, uh, I've, I've given up. I've given up on trying to explain a lot of things, Horatio, because there's more things in heaven and earth. But you've got to be careful quoting Shakespeare because someone might call you out on it. By the way, happy Valentine's Day. Bullard Vic. A, d- a day late. Bullard Vic. I know. Two days I, late. You too. 
it was. It, it was a little bit late, but we were. I, I felt you thinking about me, and I, I'm sure you, you, you yourself felt me thinking about you to some extent. We text. We should. Day. We can tell the. We can tell the audience. We texted each other on Valentine's Day. We did. We did. Right. Love is in the we, air. We, not specifically about like Valentine. We were. We had a. You know. We 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 are colleagues. We we need to. There is some coordination that goes into this crazy thing that uh, we do every day. But, uh, yeah, we did. We did. That's not, you know, who isn't in touch anymore? Uh, we're at the, it, I think we're a little bit too uh, accessible and reachable, aren't we, in terms of, um, of work and everything else? I mean, it's just the drop of just ding, ding, ding. You know, we're, we're reachable anytime. I might, send, I might send something to you right now, right now, okay. maybe. Not something weird. Don't worry. Not a picture. Nothing. You know. Don't. I, I, I don't I'm, do that. I'm getting my phone uh, out to look I, I, what's I, happening here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Good. A severe winter storm slamming Texas, uh, and it's creating unprecedented uh, electricity demand. Brian Sullivan joins us with a look at the impact on the energy sector. It is a scary story. Uh, there are millions without power in Texas and parts of Louisiana, Oklahoma, all up and down the spine, if you will, of the Midwest. Basically, here's what's happened. This ultra-deep freeze, not the coldest on record, but close to the coldest ever recorded, is causing this massive surge in power demand. Everybody's trying to crank the heat. So the power companies are trying to crank it up. The problem is there's a lot of shortages in power availability. Some of that has been caused by pipeline issues. Some of that has been caused by wind turbines, Joe, simply freezing and not being able to spin. Remember, 23% of Texas is the wind capital of the United States. 23% of their power is generated by wind, and a large portion of that is not spinning. Either it's frozen or it's frozen too tight that there's not enough wind onshore, there's more offshore, that it can rotate that. You've also got other issues with more traditional supplies. To cap that off, and we talk about these short squeezes in GameStop. Well, that's kind of happening, guys, in the electricity market as well. Because the power distributors and the power suppliers, they're having to go into the open market to buy electricity. We don't think it works like that, but it does. I'll give you guys some examples. All right, natural gas. We'll bring up the nat gas chart, and it'll show that natural gas is wholesale trading at 3 bucks and change. Look at that. See? There you go. But people are buying nat gas, Joe, at 2 three and four hundred dollars not three because they either are contractually obligated to buy at any price or they need it we've talked about wholesale electricity prices that have gone up more than a thousand percent in 24 hours in parts of texas it won't last forever but right now that's causing rolling blackouts as many as three plus million texans do not have power right now which means no heat and often no water, no heat, when it's five degrees outside, guys, is a dangerous and scary situation. This, I, I'm not sure what type of conclusions or innuendo or anything else to draw from this. I just don't think I'm going to draw any, Brian. Uh, I, I'll, I'll leave that to the, uh, to the Twitter sphere, which I've seen. I'm seeing all, you can, you've seen it. I'm seeing all kinds of stuff. Green New Deal. Uh, f really? These, so the windmills freeze, Brian? Uh, dang. Uh, which someone would have thought well, I of think that. that's, listen, uh, right? wind, uh, yeah, well, that's, that's, yeah, listen, and we're, it's not all falling on that. There's pipeline issues gotta be, as well. Sun's got to be, no, I know, I know. Re, look, Brian, fossil fuels are the most 
reliable or nuclear, take your pick. One or the other. One or the other. Sun goes, well, sun I goes think, away, too. I, I think, right? yeah, it is. And, and, but here's the thing. Texas is the, quote, energy capital of the United States. Forget about what kind of energy. I don't care if it's iguanas on treadmills. It is the energy capital of America. And yet they can't produce or distribute enough electricity to keep rolling blackouts from happening. 40% of Austin, according no, to Austin bad. Electric Power's Terrible. website, is currently without power. And whether or not that's a windmill that's frozen, by the way, you're right. Engineers should have been, hmm, how cold could it be? We should make it so it spins no matter how cold that is. Or whatever the distribution platform is, the grid, the infrastructure, it's the energy capital of America. And yet they don't have enough energy to keep power on. And people are literally freezing in their own homes. I think that there's going to be a lot of questions and hopefully some changes coming well, yeah. when this is all over. But yeah. Texas gets hit by yeah. hurricanes you know and what, floods. Brian, you mentioned, you, you mentioned pipeline issues. Pipeline issues, duh. Keystone. Anyway, uh, like I say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, we're just, I'm just, we're just reporting on this. I, I'm not going to, I have no opinion one way or another about how this is all being managed and how it's going to be managed in the future, Brian. I mean, we will see exactly how green the New Deal uh, gets us. And, and, you know, I, I'm not attributing this to that, uh, but the energy uh, uh, world will be different. We may get off fossil well, fuels well, eventually. How, how about this, Joe? How about this? We get priced out of it. We get priced out of fossil fuels eventually. That may be how we finally get out of it when, when we, uh, you know, anyway. Hold on. All these wells, they're reopening a bunch of wells over the weekend to try to get more natural gas out of them because they're going to be so profitable. One guy in Tulsa said he'll make six or $700,000 in like a week by reopening one well because right. of that demand. And listen, if, if everybody wants to live in hot climates where you crank air conditioning all the time or you want to have your iPhone in a data center, we're going to need a lot more power in the next 20 years. I don't care where it comes from. Maybe Joe knows about iguanas on treadmills. Right. right. It, it, when it's hot, you need cold. When it's cold, you need hot. But uh, you need power one way or the other unless you live somewhere Nailed where it's it. perfect. Russian media reports saying that President Vladimir Putin hasn't ruled out an invitation to chat with billionaire Elon Musk on the social media app Clubhouse. On Saturday, Musk invited Putin via Twitter to join him on the audio-only app that's been growing rapidly in popularity. A Kremlin spokesman told reporters that the proposal was interesting, but more details were needed. Two weeks ago, Musk interviewed Robinhood's co-founder, and Musk also said he had agreed to do a Clubhouse chat with Kanye West I jumped on Clubhouse a little bit this weekend, a little bit less than, than I had, Joe. I don't know if you saw the other, the other piece of news on Clubhouse. First of all, I don't know, I'm surprised there's people not going crazy. Um, you know, the idea that, that Elon Musk is inviting Vladimir Putin in, in any other world, you know, you, you'd think that there'd be critics running around in circles. I don't know. But the other thing that's fascinating over the weekend is that there were some Stanford researchers who put out a report discovering that Clubhouse, the back end of Clubhouse, they said was not safe in part because the Chinese, there was a Chinese company that actually operates, uh, one of the companies that operates part of it, they said it was a security problem. And then Clubhouse has come back and said that they're going to work on it. Clubhouse, I don't know if you know, literally, when you, when you log on, it takes all your contacts uh, because it's trying to create a social graph. So it, it takes your contacts, the phone numbers, the emails, and people are just agreeing to it. And so that's clearly going into the back end of their system. 
Uh, you know what, Andrew, that uh, I wouldn't like that, number one. I, I heard there's this, what is it, it's the Facebook or something where you put a bunch of stuff on and, and people talk and all that. I, 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 haven't, yeah. I, I doubt if I'm on Clubhouse anytime soon, my friend. I doubt uh, that's, that's not going to. Uh, um, I think you'll be on Clubhouse before you, you're on Facebook, Joe. At the, uh, at probably, the rate things probably, are going. Probably. At the, at the, but I, I, and I would go on to just chat and stuff. Why would I, uh, why would I do this? Um, maybe between, because uh, a lot, between a lot, basketball. You would go on to game. listen. Knowing you, you'd go on to listen, but a lot of people like to hear their own voice, so they like to talk. Um, but you would, you would go on to, you don't to think hear I like others to, have to say. You, you don't think I like to hear the sound of my own voice? I, I was, I was doing this trying for 12 to put years this with as me? delicately as I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm not on this one. Did you ever go on? You didn't go on Parlor, did you? You never did I, that. I, did, haven't, did I haven't made it on Parlor yet. No. All right. Because you can go back on now. It's back online, or you know, it, we've talked about it a lot. It was shut down after some tech companies withdrew uh, their services following the deadly attack on the U.S. Capitol. Parlor's focusing on restoring service to existing users uh, this week. It'll allow new signups. There you go, Andrew. It will allow some new signups in the future. Parlor has sued Amazon over the move to stop providing cloud services. The app uh, remains suspended. Uh, from the Apple and the Google, uh, Google App Stores, uh, the company's servers are now hosted by SkySilk. That's an L.A. area data center that said it feels Parler is taking the necessary steps to better uh, monitor its platforms. New guidelines posted on Parler's site say that it wouldn't knowingly allow its platform to be used as a tool for crime or unlawful uh, acts. I, I, I defer to you. Andrew, when you tell me I absolutely have to do something, that, that's when I'll do it. You know, the watch or uh, the little mood ring or something, which, how, how did it, how were you this morning when you woke up? How was your sleep? Good? My score today, I'm okay. Uh, hold on, I'll give, you the, I'll give you where I'm at. I got uh, 83. I'm good. I got six hours and 35 minutes of sleep and my resting heart rate not great, actually. It was only 54. I tried to get a little lower than that if I can. So, I don't know. Six. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't it means know. I'm I, in an I okay think, mood. I think you should shoot for seven. I think you should shoot for seven uh, plus hours of sleep. Uh, I'm probably. with you. Boy. Number one. I think it's, you know, people say four or five or whatever. I, I'm, I don't know. We, they, it's amazing that we don't really know for sure so, whether I that's I have a new app, Joe. I have a new app called Rise Sleep, which is which has actually analyzed all of my sleep. And I have very bad news, at least for myself, because we're in the morning TV business. It says that my personal based on my personal sleeping habits or, or whatever, that I actually need eight and a half hours. Some people only need seven or seven and a half. This thing thinks that based on my heart rate and how I sleep and da, 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 I need even more. So I, don't I think know what I'm seven and a half is, is a minimum. Seven and a half is should be should be your minimum. Should be the minimum that, that you shoot for. And you you have a you know you cannot do what other people do. You can't stay up till eleven. You can't. I know. Unless you're not going to come in. You just, all right, all right. So it's hard. You I'm know. You tell your wife good night, honey. Next on Squawk Pod, the state of the U.S. economy from post-pandemic recovery to tax. Sky high valuations. St. Louis Fed President James Bullard. 
The biggest thing in, in equities is really these tech firms and, and how high are you going to value these guys? I'm not really sure we want to call that part bubble. That's just normal investing, trying to get your head around what those companies are really worth. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Greco, this music. Good morning. Welcome back to Squawk Box uh, here on, on CNBC. It's dangerous when someone has free reign, isn't it, Andrew? Uh, uh, I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin, and people at home are, are, are being subjected to this. They're like, what uh, is going Becky on here? Becky is off. I know. I know. M- m- morning show music. It ought to be, you know, you should feel the sun coming up. Not that. Who is that, hate breed? Mighty. Uh, that comes up on my phone because my kids, we have the same Apple account. And every once in a while, that, it comes up and it's like, what is this? Do uh, you share that with, with your kids, uh, Andrew? Do, do they have all, do you have all the same? Or is all their music on your music or do you do it? You don't do it that way. We share on Spotify. But and this is a big we should talk about that another day. But the, the idea of explicit music is a big problem. And we've tried to keep that from happening, oh, but I'm, yeah. I'm having problems. I mean, I'm having lots of issues. There's that, the that one music. song I heard it. It's like, no, I can't even believe this is for real. Anyway, Pierre Gint. Did you hear how good that morning mood was going morning. for a second? How relaxing? See, here I mean, it is. This, is. this is what I was. 1875, Edward Grieg. Bitcoin's Back uh, to the 50, trade above 50,000. Immediately, Immediately turned immediately turned down once it hit it, and and I guess some people but, thought you know uh, it hit fifty. But but think about this, and we don't know exactly the date that Tesla got in, that Elon Musk got in, but this thing's probably up forty percent, possibly since right. he got in. How about I mean, MicroStrategy? I mean, how about they they right. they made a they might have made five hundred five hundred million dollars just just doing it. And you they, know? we talked about it when it was when it was pennies, basically. I mean, we did, or, or at least, you know, 10 bucks or something. So it, the, the numbers are, are mind-boggling that, that we've seen just in the last 12 years, 13 years, whatever it Look, is. Look, I remember interviewing the, Amazing. I remember interviewing the Winklevoss, the Winklevoss twins. It's probably what, 2011, 12? If we, if we had right. been, right. I don't want to say half paying attention, but if we'd been listening more <laughs> We, we wouldn't be waking up at these right. hours, Joe. We would, we would be, we'd be just counting our bitcoins. Possibly, possibly. But it, 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 what you can see, I saw yesterday uh, a, a list of the price of bitcoin on every Valentine's Day for the past 12 years, uh, and it, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of interesting because it, sometimes it's, you know, it didn't. It was half the year later a couple of times. It was half of what it was right. the previous year, but it has been a a pretty consistent move, uh, just way, 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 way up. 50,000. Way, way, Amazing. way up. So, so if we I hit think to I'm 50, supposed to say I own that, some. Andrew, I'm, I'm always supposed to disclose it. that I own some. I think Kramer, yeah, I, I, I have to disclose that, that I own some. So, so at 50,000, do we think the, is the next? Couple years. 
Okay, so Joe, at 50,000, is the next stop 100,000 or is the next stop 30,000? I, me personally, I, I would, uh, I, I, if it went down there, I think that's a time when maybe you, you put more to work down there. You know what I mean? At 30 or, or I don't, you know, 20? I, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I don't know. I don't, nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise right. me. But it'd be nice to get it at 20 again, maybe. Yep. But I don't, I don't um, know what the, certainly doesn't look like it's headed there anytime soon. Not, not at this rate. Not at this rate. We should talk to Bullard about this because I wonder whether every, you know, all the free money, how much that is ended up in Bitcoin. Joining us now is Jim Bullard, St. Louis Fed uh, president. And Mr. Bullard, uh, Jim, since the last time we saw you, it's been a while, uh, but welcome back. Great to see you. Uh, just Glad in general, where do you, it, it, what we've seen lately, and that is uh, kind of a, a new paradigm almost for inflation expectations. Are you comfortable in that new paradigm right now? And should we all be comfortable where we are, especially given what we may be seeing in terms of asset inflation in so many different sectors uh, of the investment markets? I think we're in good shape with inflation uh, right now. Uh, of course, we've missed our inflation target to the low side for really since 2012. So now I think you do have some more inflation pressure in the economy. I do think inflation will move up this year. You're seeing tips-based inflation measures uh, move up uh, pretty smartly in the last uh, few months or weeks. And uh, the, the difference here is that the Fed's going to take that on board, I think. Uh, I certainly am. We've been trying to get inflation up to target. We'd like to miss on the high side for a while to balance off the misses on the low side that we've had. And then we'll uh, better establish uh, the idea that we're actually going to hit the inflation target uh, over the long term, and that'll cement inflation expectations. So I hope we can get all that to play out here. Uh, we've got a lot going on with the uh, pandemic coming to an end. And, and as you mentioned, lots of action in financial markets. Did you kind of deliberately uh, avoid my, my use of the term asset inflation in, in that in that discussion, Jim, that, that's what I'm alluding yeah, to. I mean, do you, I'd say, I'd say it, equities it, are uh, it, highly it, valued, but I wouldn't say they're, uh, as on the whole, I wouldn't say that we're in, uh, you know, they're probably at the upper end of, of what you'd like to see if you're uh, Dot and Graham type investor. But um, the biggest thing in, in equities is really these tech firms and, and how high are you going to value these guys? They've got great technology. They've got great revenue. Uh business models, the sky is the limit. So uh, where investors want to value those is really driving a big chunk of the market. And that, that's just as tough an investment decision as there's ever been. So, so I, I'm not really sure we want to call that part uh, bubble. That's just normal investing, trying to, trying to get your head around what those companies are really worth. Yeah, Jim, I tried to encompass everything, but I'll spell some of it out uh, for you. The uh, city of Detroit bonds less than 2%. Junk bonds, under 4% for the first time ever. SPACs, IPOs, Bitcoin, GameStop. None of that feels to you like, wow, maybe we're printing too much? I, I did say there was a lot of action uh, in markets. And, and I think you do see, uh, you know, speculative frenzies from time to time in markets. And, and uh, that's part of the 
part of the process. I think you have to understand uh, those that are involved have to understand that, yeah, you can make money, but you can also lose a lot of money. Uh, something like GameStop shooting up to, uh, you know, really high levels and then coming all the way back down to an economist that just says that uh, there was no value uh, created at the end of the day, uh, but a lot of money changed hands. So, uh, uh, you know, there are winners and losers. I suspect that, you know, the winners were more professional traders and the losers were more uh, uh, retail investors, uh, but I don't know. Yep. You don't quite know who, who were the winners and losers there, but there's, there's no uh, value created in the sense that, gosh, uh, these guys have a great business model. It looks like they're going to be very profitable going forward. Yeah. I'm just wondering, what do, is it, do you think that, that central bankers can be confident that, that they'll have time to see the actual uh, writing on the wall for, for when it's gone too far? Or will it already be too late? That that's the biggest worry that that I think I have. Yeah, uh, I mean the the Fed's been arguing about bubbles since the irrational exuberant speech, which was 1996. So it's a it's a long running uh, debate, and I will say that to our credit, we have much better radar about uh, the you know possible causes of financial upset. Uh, we've got regular reports and, and regular monitoring that we didn't have before the financial crisis uh, that's trying to assess uh, uh, more formally than we would have before, uh, whether we've got bubble conditions that could evolve into financial crisis. Now, I would say that financial conditions generally are, are very good in, right now. And so uh, financial stress index for the St. Louis Fed, for instance, is at uh, low levels. So we're not in the kind of panic uh, situation that we were last March or April or that we were in 2008. So from the Fed's perspective, uh, we're doing well so far, and uh, we are monitoring uh, closely to, to see if uh, this does get out of control. Hey, Jim, I, I have two questions for you, one related to what you were just talking about. And we've been having a debate on the program today, but obviously for, for weeks, given the stimulus bill that's on hand. Uh, what do you think the impact of a federally mandated $15 minimum wage would be on the employment picture as the Fed sees it? Yeah, I have no reason to doubt the CBO analysis. It says uh, you'd lose about 1.4 million jobs. That's a lot of jobs. Uh, those that are still in uh, the labor market would get a, get a raise. Uh, but... I also think there are medium-term effects. You're talking about a lot of industries that have a lot of turnover. Maybe they don't replace some of those workers later, and instead they uh, decide to invest in newer technologies. Uh, so I, I think it's um, – you've also got unevenness across the country, uh, different labor markets across the country. I'd like to see adjustment for that. That's why I've liked the, the minimum wage debate to be a local debate in different parts of the country uh, that adjust to different labor markets. I think that's important. Um, also, the benefits of the minimum wage, uh, they go to middle-class families with kids. Uh, so a big chunk of that is not really, uh, you know, helping the poorest segments of society. You're talking about youth unemployment for uh, middle-class and upper-middle-class uh, families. So um, there's a lot to talk about. Minimum wage has been right. uh, debated forever. 
And then just on a separate topic, almost to bring us back to Bitcoin, since I, I know that seems to be the topic du jour these days. How do you see the Fed thinking right now about the idea of a, a, a digital dollar, a digital coin, uh, and whether it's important that the U.S. Uh, be on the forefront of, of cryptocurrency and whether effectively the Fed could let uh, Bitcoin reach escape velocity. Uh, perhaps it's already reached escape velocity. Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're looking at it, but, you know, dollars can be traded electronically already. So it's not I'm not sure that that's really the issue here. The issue is privately issued currency. And uh, we've had historically privately issued currency in the United States before the Civil War. And uh, you had what at the time would have been, you know, something like the equivalent of Bank of America dollars and J.P. Morgan dollars and Wells Fargo dollars. And they were all trading around and they traded at different discounts to each other. And people did not like it at all. And uh, so I think the same thing would occur uh, with Bitcoin here. You don't want to go to a non-uniform currency where you're walking into Starbucks and maybe you'll pay with Ethereum, maybe you'll pay with Ripple, maybe you'll pay with Bitcoin, maybe you'll pay with a dollar. That isn't that isn't how we do this. Uh, we have a uniform currency that came in at the Civil War time. A uh, dollar is a dollar, and and uh, another thing about it is that there's already currency competition globally. There's hundreds of you know currencies globally, and uh, uh, some of them are privately issued, but they have to meet all the same. Uh, restrictions that that all of us do that that try to run a currency regime. Uh, you have to have stability about future supply, and it's not at all clear that. And you have to have stable value against other uh, against goods and against other currencies. And uh, you know, private currencies aren't doing that. There's a lot of them being issued. Milton Friedman predicted that uh, if you allowed private currency issue in issuance, you would get a lot of them. That's exactly what's happened here. Uh, thousands of coins, uh, virtual coins have been uh, issued. And uh, uh, so this is just part of the normal currency competition that has gone on for centuries. Hey, Jim, Jim, do you, but the, the, the rationale that uh, Bitcoin is a store of value in, in the face of the debasement of fiat currency, do you believe that argument has merit? And does it make sense for people that and companies that are now uh, building positions in Bitcoin, do you believe that has merit? And do you yourself, have you bought any Bitcoin? Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I actually can't uh, invest. I only invest in uh, indexes and stuff. Um, you know, uh, currency competition has been going on forever. Uh, the you know, British pound in the 19th century was the, the top dog. Uh, it was replaced by the dollar in the 20th century, still uh, still the top uh, currency, but it is a currency competition, and uh, uh, investors want a safe haven. They want a, a stable store of value, and then they want to conduct their investments uh, in that currency. The yen, also very strong. Euro, uh, also very strong, but neither of those is going to replace the dollar. Um, it'd be very hard to get a private currency uh, that's really uh, more like gold, uh, uh, to, uh, you know, to play that role. So I, I don't think that that's where uh, we're going to see uh, any changes in the future. Well, then you must think $50,000 is, is a, an insane value for Bitcoin then. 
Yeah, I mean, the gold price has moved up and down uh, since, you know, since the 70s and 80s. Uh, that hasn't affected Fed policy as far as I can tell. No, oh, I know. But you, so would you you would characterize Bitcoin at this point as the so I guess you said the rationale they does not have merit. It. So then I they guess you characterize it as a rival to gold. And that might be a good way to think about it. Oh, OK. All right. So yeah. you, you, you don't have an opinion whether 50,000 is a bubble for, for Bitcoin. Yeah, that wasn't the case you were making. No, I, I just think, uh, you know, for Fed policy uh, and, you know, it's going to be a dollar economy as far as the eye can see and a dollar global economy, okay. really, as far as the eye can see. And whether the gold price goes up or down or the Bitcoin price goes up or down doesn't really affect that. OK. All right. These are uh, <laughs> great to hear the thoughts of uh, one of our, our great uh, central bankers. I know you think about all these issues a lot. and We appreciate all the time you gave us today. Uh, President Bullard, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Next on Squawk Pod, inside the infamous GameStop short squeeze with the millennial investing YouTuber, Mrs. Dow Jones. It was a really exciting time, but in the same way, there's a lack of education. So it was a bit scary because you saw young people taking risks with their money that necessarily didn't make sense. We're back after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Young people have never been so interested in CNBC. Millennials and Gen Zers from Reddit forums and Twitter threads are tuning into financial news outlets for the scoop on Reddit, GameStop, and AMC, and even Bitcoin. But before this, where were they? Well, clearly they were on the Wall Street Bets subreddit, but about 300,000 of these young people were also tuned into the musings and explainers of a Mrs. Dow Jones on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube for their daily dose of finance. Lord knows I love to buy and hold, but since the pandemic, day trading has become super trendy. I have not been on a roller coaster like that since I went to Six Flags. This story is everywhere and it sort of makes you feel like you could just read Wall Street Bets and tomorrow be a millionaire. That is not true. It is actually extremely risky. Who needs Bravo when you can watch CNBC these days? I mean, this is good reality television. That was Haley Sachs, founder and CEO of Mrs. Dow Jones. She hears from and speaks to, via Instagram stories and TikTok polls, the population that drove much of the financial news cycle the past few weeks. So we invited her onto Squawk Box. 
Here's the not-quite-millennial Joe Kernan kicking off his conversation with Haley Sachs this morning, a.k.a. Mrs. Dow Jones. Haley, I'm just, if you could just uh, think back right when the frenzy reached its peak or when it was beginning, and just tell us, were you say, were, were you at that point thinking this is great or I'm worried about this at that point? Because I, I guess you were, you were maybe somewhat torn, but a lot of people got involved, but I don't know if that's the right way to do it. Look, I think that it was a really exciting time. It was great for ratings for CNBC, I'm sure, and great for interest in uh, finance. But in the same way, there's a lack of education. And so it was a bit scary because you saw young people taking risks with their money that necessarily didn't make sense. Right, because I, I, I remember at the time on Twitter, you can imagine, because people go off on Twitter, and I, I made one comment that this is investing question mark because it didn't look like investing uh, at that point. And that caused all kinds of, that caused a huge ruckus, people saying, who are you to decide uh, what investing is? But, you know, to watch a company that I don't know what the prospects are. Uh, Saturday Night Live did a, a skit on, on the prospects uh, for GameStop. But obviously going from single digits to four or 500, I don't know what that is exactly. I don't know. I guess it's investing, but you see my point. And I, I'm not sure that's the way that people should be exposed to Graham and Dodd type building wealth for retirement in the stock market. Absolutely. And look, gamification is when you apply game mechanics into non-game environments, such as the stock market. And like with all games, there is always a loser. And so you saw day trading explode during the pandemic because people were at home and they were bored. And in one way, it was great because it propelled interest into the markets and into financial literacy but it was also extremely risky. I mean, you think about a chess match. Would you play chess if you didn't know the rules? Investing is not a game. So how would you, uh, there's going to be a hearing. What would you like to come out of the hearing in, in terms of uh, regular, just more education? Do you think a, a, a stronger touch on regulation would be a, a positive or a negative? for this nascent, you know, Reddit-fueled uh, sort of education of all these millennials? Look, it's up to Capitol Hill to decide who, uh, what regulations make sense. But I will say that with this crop of young investors should come new regulations and the SEC and FINRA need to level up. I mean, for example, when Robinhood halted trading, that disrupted the whole market. That cannot happen. Right. But we now know that they didn't really have much choice based on yeah. you know, liquidity and solvency of, of, of their, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't regulation. That was sort of survival for Robin Hood. Absolutely. But why were they in that position? You know? Right. 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 Well, uh, that, what are you telling people since they listen to you right now. Are you, I know that I see that AMC, GameStop, some of these uh, gamified stocks are on your watch list. What does that mean they're on your watch list? 
Well, I have to keep my eye on them, of course. That doesn't mean that I am necessarily investing in them. But at Mrs. Dow Jones, my goal is to make finance accessible to everyone. And I don't want there to be barriers between people and their money. And so, you know, Wall Street made a big mistake with young investors. They underestimated them and they were able to rally the market. And they also underestimated me at the beginning. Like now I'm on Squawk Box. Um, And so I think that GameStop uh, was a big wake up call. And it's important for me to keep an eye on what's going on. But it's not something that I condone. I'm all about buying and holding and uh, long term strategies. I'm in school right now becoming a certified Uh, financial planner. Right. All right, Haley. So. How long, you've been you watch Squawk Box? Is this your your uh, your show of choice? Do you, do, and, and you tell all your followers to watch? Really? Oh my God. Really? Of okay, well, we appreciate. Screaming it from the rooftops. This is my favorite show. <laughs> it is because we're then Absolutely. you're going to come back. We're going to that that was a really good answer. That was a really good answer, uh, Haley. Thank you. It's been it's been good having you on. Uh, Thank and, you for having we'll do, me. Let's let's do it again and because we're this. I don't know what chapter we're on, but it's, this story isn't written yet. We'll see what happens. You know, people exactly. looking in all kinds of these uh, activities. Yeah. All right. Thanks. So what do you think, Andrew? We'll take it. Right. I think you're, you're going to be on TikTok is what I think, Joe. That's what I think. I think you're going to be on TikTok and Instagram because Mrs. Dow Jones is going to start to promote your accounts. And then you're going you're gonna to blow up over there. And then oh, yeah? Clubhouse. In a good way? Yeah. In a good it, way. It, in a good way. Okay. And that's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening, as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.